It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Meg of Pola Quilting had the idea and mission to teach others how to create beautiful things using fabrics which would otherwise be discarded. And so she began her Pola Quilting YouTube channel with easy to follow tutorials without rules and stress. Now she is ready to spread the love of upcycling by selling unique and crafted with love pieces. Going green is in the heart of everything she does, from choosing materials to packaging. I love Meg's distinct style and hope to incorporate what she is teaching into my own quilting. Meg, thanks so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Thank you very much for having me. Great opportunity for me. So thank you again for that. Oh, you're so welcome. Tell me about where you were born and raised. Well, I'm originally from Poland, from the south of Poland, and I've been living there for my first 28 of years. <laughs> oh, wow. Before we get further, tell us your name, because it is such a beautiful name, and I know I would slaughter it. I want to hear it properly. My Polish name is Małgorzata, and my surname is actually Nigerian surname, is Banjo. But everyone here in UK from my day job are calling me Meg because nobody is able to say it. And even better was when I haven't changed my surname yet, and my full name was Małgorzata Jurczyk. So that was just, you know, breaking the tongue for some people. So they were very happy at work when I changed my surname. At least that part was easier. <laughs> Names can be so beautiful, but I know it would take a lot more practice for me to say it properly. So thank you. Meg, share a special childhood memory. I think what I remember the best in Poland when I was born, it was very difficult to buy stuff. You go to shop and you buy whatever you want. It wasn't there. People had money, but there was nothing in the shops. And my mom bought me a very, very small, basic box of Lego blocks. She had to go to a very special shop, which was called Pevex, where you could exchange some dollars. So she had some dollars from somewhere, I don't know from where. And she went and bought me a box of Lego blocks. And I was, I think, about five when I got them. And I was lost to the world for hours on hours with those Lego blocks. And it was not like now where my children got, you know, big boxes of whatever. It was literally that small that you could just fit almost those blocks in your palm or in your hands. But I was lost to the world. I just loved the Lego blocks. I still remember that. What color were those blocks? They were just multicolors. It was just like a small set, but it was really small, but I could still make so many things out of it. I think it's probably that's where I started patterns, <laughs> where I started mixing colors. Yeah, something must have been in it because I really love them. Yeah. Can you tell us about your employment? I am a payroll manager during my day job life. Up to the recent time, I had 20 people in my team 
And I've been dealing with a biggest organization here in UK who is providing care, NHS. And now I've moved to the process improvement. So I'm going to the teams and I'm fixing stuff, <laughs> basically, <laughs> but they don't work. So again, patterns. I love patterns. I love process. I love fixing, making things easier from when they start to the end. There's no need so many steps. You just want to have it done very efficiently. So that's what I do at the moment at my work. Do you find that when you put processes in place that you go back and find that people want to skip some of those steps? I think it's very often they find difficult to move on to the new process. So at the beginning, I had a problem with it. Now I'm trying to sell it a little bit differently to the teams. I actually go in, I work with them for a while, and I ask questions. They answer themselves, why do I do that? Once I catch people saying that, I was like, so let's have something else in place. And it's kind of easier to get people on board with the things when they come up with solutions very often. I just make it happen for them. That's great. It's so needed. Wow. We owned our own company and had up to 50 employees at one point. So that's what's going through my head and working with them and having them come up with the ideas is so important. Yeah, I found it's easier. At least if they start a new process, they tell me, this is where I would like to end up. Then I can work out the rest and they will actually do the do the way it designed. But if I just throw something at them, it's sometimes for people it's hard to change what they do at work. Yeah. Now you're in the UK. Can you share how you went from Poland to the UK? I actually didn't come directly to UK. I went to Cyprus first. I just finished uni. I had this my small business. I lived alone with my dog. I had family, but obviously I lived on my own. And one day a friend sent me a message. Hi, I'm in Cyprus. How are you? And I was like, ooh, Cyprus, nice place to go for holidays. And I sent her a message and she was like, why don't you just come around and stay? And I was like, well, that's actually not a bad idea. So it really did take me a lot to decide I'm going. There was nothing really holding me at home at that point of time. So I went there, we were living in a very small studio together. So between two of us, we had a rabbit and a dog to take care of as well. I took my dog with me. Yeah, I was working in the hotel. I was working in a restaurant for a while. And then I met a man and he was actually leaving Cyprus. He was studying there for a while. So he was leaving to UK to study more in different university. So I had to make a decision what I want to do. And we didn't really like know each other for a long time, but I thought, well, Let's go see what the UK got for me. I had my backup plan money on my bank account for return ticket to Cyprus if it doesn't work out. But I did go and 15 years later, we're still together. Oh, wow. So yeah, two children, a house. Yeah, and we're still together. So I didn't have to use my backup money. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else about your family you want to share? I've got quite a lot of family, but we are not that close, unfortunately. Maybe because we're all, all over kind of different countries and different places. So the closest family is my mom and my sister and my niece. So it's all ladies <laughs> in the family, the closest family. Yeah. Is your mom still in Poland? 
Yes, she's been living here with us for quite some time when I had kids. So she came around to help to raise them. You know, it takes a village. So she was my village. And then when my kids, they've gone to school, both of them, then she didn't have that much to do around. So she went back home to enjoy her life there. She obviously is retired, so she can just do whatever she wants now. She always sending me messages that she walked that far today or she's seen so many things today. She really likes walking. So she's sending me pictures like almost every day. Where did she go today? What she saw? So yeah, it's, it's good. And she never learned English. So it wasn't that easy for her here. And obviously there, even with her head and you know, going to the visits to the doctors and things like that, it's easier because she can understand what people are saying to her. So it made sense. Yeah. I was a little curious if you were able to go back and forth to visit her, but it sounds like she was with you for quite a while. But is it easy enough to go back and forth from Poland to the UK? Well, it's two hours on the flight, so it's not so bad. (laughs) You know, it's two hours on the flight and probably about four hours in the car in between (laughs) to get to the airport and back. But we talk very often on like WhatsApp or Zoom, so it's fine. And then she's coming visiting because she's obviously missing her grandchildren. So she's coming often to see us. Nice. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or that you've done in the past? Well, I'm coming from crafty family, if I think I could say, because I remember my grandma sewing when I was visiting. And my grandfather was working with wood. He was carpenter. So since kids, we knew how to knit, how to crochet, and how to sew, not necessarily patchwork, just sew in general. So I do still do all of those things. And not long ago, I discovered embroidery. So I started doing that as well. You can see behind me some, some pictures there some of my work. So yeah, I'm with the attitude, if it can be done, it can be done. So I'm happy to try it. (laughs) (laughs) I made an assumption that your embroidery is by hand or do you do machine? Yeah, by hand. But I do play on machine as well. I do what I call thread painting. So I'm using embroidery threads to couch it on the fabric and it looks really good as well. So depends, you know, how warm is in my conservatory where I'm sewing? If it's cold, then I'm doing by hand somewhere when it's warmer. <laughs> Are there other hobbies that you have? Well, again, because I'm very crafty. <laughs> yeah, I did do a photography for a while. I like painting. I do like do henna. I don't know, you may I sometimes share it. I'm awful in it. I'm horrible in it. But it never stopped me to do something I enjoy. It's more about the journey, not the destination for me sometimes. <laughs> Can you yeah. describe what you just showed me on your hand? Yes. Yeah, so henna, it's traditional Indian kind of art where people putting, it's made from the plants and you make designs on your hands or your feet or wherever you want to really. It gets brown on your skin after 24 hours. So people sometimes think, oh, it's very bright, but it takes 24 hours to develop on your skin to make it darker. And then it stays as long as your skin kind of wash it off, really. So four or five days, depending where it is. And, you know, if you wash hands very often, then obviously it comes off much quicker. So I love India. I've been to India a couple of times. I love people in India. 
and I really love henna and I love smell of henna. So just smelling it makes me happy. That's interesting that you say it's from India. And when I saw it, I was thinking, you mentioned your husband's from Nigeria. And yes. my daughter-in-law is from Kenya. And I know they do that in Kenya. So I was thinking it would have come yeah. from your husband, but you said it came from India. So I thought that was interesting. interesting. Yes. So it depends probably who, I mean, on my husband. My husband is so dark that you wouldn't see it on him. <laughs> but yeah, they do that there as well. Yes, you're right. There is some parts of Africa they use henna as well. But I brought it from India, because uh, for a long time I've been working with Indian people at my work. So they kind of showed me certain things and I just fall in love in, in all of it. So, yeah. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Do some of these hobbies show up in your quilting? Uh, I think maybe not directly, but like I said, I like painting, so it's mixing colors. I don't paint people or animals or anything. I like uh, abstracts, so it's just mixing colors what please you. And that's how I make my quilts. I just mix color as they please me. <laughs> or even sometimes I don't even think about what I'm mixing. I'm just looking how it finished at the end. So it's quite very freeing, that type of attitude, just, you know. Just put some things together, see how it goes. At the end of the day, it's just either paint or just a fabric. You know what I mean? Nobody will suffer from it. You know, you might just cut it again and do something else with it if it doesn't work out. So embroidery, like I've mentioned, I like to put couching on top of the fabrics. If fabric is maybe not that interesting when I put it together or I make a crumb block, for example, or a big piece of crumb, then I just put embroidery floss on it. I am actually thinking how I can make even more like that, maybe like an embroidery type of quilt. I don't know. Something comes in my head. I need to dwell on it for a little bit to make it happen, but that may be next time. And then I like, again, you cannot see it, but when I do my hand nod, usually what I put on me as a design on my hand, sometimes it's end up as a quilting design on the quilt. Yeah, I was wondering if that, Hannah would show up in your quilt somewhere. So that is neat to use as the quilting design. Cool. Yes. Who introduced you to quilting? I didn't have anyone who introduced me as such, but the first patchwork quilt, which I thought at the time was a proper patchwork quilt, but it wasn't, was my aunt. She gave me a quilt, which I thought was patchwork, and I loved that quilt to bits for many, many years. I think I was 15 when I got it, and it finally kind of disintegrated by the time I was 30 because it was used so much. But like I said, it wasn't proper a quilt. It was just something resembling, and I really loved that quilt. Like I said, I used it very much. And I always wanted to try make my own quilt because I've mentioned I coming from the family when we did sewing. Not sewing quilts, we were sewing clothes and, I don't know, curtains and cushions and things like that. But I always wanted to try patchwork, but it was either I didn't have the money or I didn't have a time or I didn't have a machine. So at different stages of my life, oh, I moved to Cyprus. <laughs> so obviously that was out of the way. But when I was pregnant with my second son, I started what I call nesting. So for the first probably three months since I knew I'm pregnant, I was painting walls, redecorating the rooms, decoupaging the furniture for both of my 
current son, you know, he was three at the time and future baby coming in. And then when I was about six months pregnant, it was too heavy for me to do all of those things anymore. I was just like, I'm done. I cannot be carrying furniture around. That's it. I was like, how about I make a quilt now for baby, for both of them, really? And that's how I started. So I, I bought some pre-cuts. I started with pre-cuts. I thought it's a lot of stuff to go into the quilt. And I didn't know many things about quilting either. So I was like, I'll just buy squares and sew squares. I should be able to deal with straight stitching of the seams. And I did make that first quilt with just four inch squares. I did it. I put it together and my son's still using it. So, and that's how I started. And then you start learning and I discovered so many things and I bought so many things. And my husband was like, oh my God, where is it going to end? (laughs) But he didn't. (laughs) It just grew. It does. Whether it's a quilt that you made or someone else made, do you have a favorite quilt? I don't actually. For me, it's more about journey, not the destination. And once I've made quilts for my kids and for my mom and my sister and my niece and a couple of friends, I just give away all of the quilts I'm making. I don't keep them. Because I like making them, but then how much quilts can one person store and use? (laughs) No, I don't think I've got favorites. I just like quilts, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. And while you're making your quilts, what tool are you so happy that you have? Well, my best tool I could recommend to everyone and anyone doing any craft with sewing and fabric is a lint roller. Because if I don't do that before I leave my sewing room, the fabric and scraps and treads are everywhere. (laughs) So yeah, have a few. I've got a few rollers placed strategically around the house. So I do it before I leave my sewing room, but then I come into the living room and I see something. I've got another one in the living room ready. So yeah, lint roller. I know it's not maybe specifically for the quilting, but I cannot live without it. That's a great idea. I was surprised one time when I was looking at the fabric on my lampshades. I try to vacuum those, but they just don't seem to be getting clean. And I went and got the lint roller and cleaned those with them and was surprised at how much stuff came off. But I had not thought about using it around my sewing space. So that is a great idea. Works like a charm every time. Now, some people like each step of the quilting process and some people like certain steps better than others. Do you like a certain step better or do you like each step along the way? I think I like all of the steps. The problem is I do not necessarily have got time to finish off all of the steps very often. So I can design and piece quilt very quickly, but then the rest is taking a long time because It's just life comes on the way and I've got, I don't know, maybe 20 flimsies waiting somewhere to be quilted. But I like all of the process, really. There were some things maybe I didn't like before, but from my work, you can see I like to fix things. So if I think something is not working, it's either I need to learn more or find different way doing it. And once I find right way for me, because everyone is different, then there's no reason not to like something. That is neat how you find something to do it the way 
you're going to be pleased with it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. It needs to work for you. You can arrive to the same destination from different angles, but if that one angle is what works for you, then there's no need to change it unless something stops working and then you need to change. (laughs) That's neat. Do you happen to have a worst quilting experience? I think my worst was when one of my quilts bled. Okay, so there was a, quite a lot of white on that quilt. And I do scrappy, so there was like multitude of other fabrics in that quilt. And one, literally one small piece bled. But my uh, attitude towards anything I do is if I cannot fix it, or cover it, make it a feature. Okay. So what I did, I took some fabric paints and I've added more colors to the white. Now it looks, you know, even better than it was before. So there's always a solution. So your painting came in very handy. Yeah. Brings out more of the artist in you. What do you think draws you to continue quilting? rather than going ahead and spending your time on something else you enjoy? For me, it's a little bit like a therapy. We sometimes see those pictures on Facebook or Instagram. Somebody survived today because I had time to, to sew or do any other crafts, whatever you like to do. So I think sewing for me is one of those things. I think it's probably showed more in when COVID happened. Some people were kind of at home they couldn't go to work. I had twice more work at the time. And it was just very stressful to pull it all together in a very short span of time. And the more I was stressed at work, the more I was sewing. I actually made six quilts in six weeks in that period. I was so stressed. But it helped me. It helped me to go to the other side and kind of, you know, slow down later. So I don't think I will ever stop because that's what relaxes me, basically. Wow. A quilt a week. Yeah. Very (laughs) stressful. (laughs) Normally I'm not that quick. Wow. You may have answered this already. Who do you usually make your quilts for? So I probably have done quilts for everyone I know already. (laughs) So now I donate most of the quilts to the Linus Project, which is quite widely known. And there's another local charity here. It's actually a farm. And I live in the city, but it's a very small farm here in the middle of the city. And they do a lot of work with children or disabled people. So they've got a very small shop there. So I make quilts and I give them so they can sell it there and kind of raise money for their own work to cover there. Nice. And most quilters are very giving, and that is a yes, wonderful place to give to. Do you have something special that you're working on right now? Well, yes. Actually, two things. My main two goals for this year is, one, to publish some of my patterns for embroidery, actually. Very easy, what I call scrappy embroidery. But the second and bigger project I work on is actually publishing my pattern book. So I've designed 30 blocks for people who like scrapping so they can go through this scrap box and get them out of the way and do something with the scraps there. It's very easy projects, 30 blocks. You can mix and match them 
and you can make one in like 10 minutes. So you can do anytime you wish to put one together and off you go. But that book is not going to be just patterns. It's going to be also strategy about your scraps, how to deal with them and how to get rid of them quickly. <laughs> oh, will it have a planner in it too? Yes, there will be some notebooks side of it as well. So it will be all in one as you go through, give you a little bit of intel, how you can work with the scraps, how to prepare them for, for the next step. You've got 30 blocks. You can, like I said, mix and match them to make something. And there will be part where you can design something of your own on the very end. So, yeah, I look forward to have that done sometime, hopefully, first six months of this year. So it will be ready for the other six months of the year. So some people can maybe use them to make some quilts for Christmas. That will be wonderful. And I need to mention that this is 2023 because someone might be listening to this in five years. Later. Yes. <laughs> so if you're listening in five years, the book should be available on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Share a quilting tip. My tip is, if it works for you, don't worry about what other people say. Because sometimes, especially when we're starting as a newbies to the kind of craft, we go and listen to many, many people. You have to do it this way. Your points needs to be that way. You have to put your seams that way. Well, not necessary. You do what you like, how you like, when you like it. If it works for you, just go with it. And don't try to make perfect because it never will be. And just enjoy the process. Very good. That seems to be our number one tip. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, good. Describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby and it became a business for you. So I don't put quilts in my business. What I've got in plan, I would like to make quilt jackets. So I've created my website. I've put some smaller stuff there, like pouches and, you know, cushion covers, some smaller projects. But I always wanted to make jackets. There's, again, so many jackets I can wear myself. <laughs> so I thought other people will enjoy wearing those. I made a few for myself already, so you can see it on as well. But yes, I would like to make jackets and sell them to people because I think it's a wonderful thing to have a quilted jacket. And I need to have somewhere to sell it. And with my day job, it's not something I can do, like go on fairs, you know, go to people myself. So online website is the best approach, basically, at this point of time. Yeah, it looks really neat, too. So you need to go look at that. Thank you. What is the name of your business and how did you come up with that name? So my business name is Pola Quilting. So you've got website, which is Pola Quilting. You've got Instagram, which is Pola Quilting. And it comes from Pola, which is my nickname. And that comes from, you need to go back in time, about 25 years ago or so, when social media just started, really. And at that time, I was attending a graphic design college, which, yes, long, long time ago. And we had to go and log in yourself with something to chat with other people. It was quite a new thing for, for all of us. And my friend was like, oh, just let, use this, use Paula. So she typed it in and I met a few people on that first time. I was like, 
I have to start using the same nickname. Otherwise, nobody will know it's me again, isn't it? And it's just stuck. And even my husband now is calling me Paula because when I meet new people on like personal level, I just introduce myself as a Paula. And that sometimes creates a problem on Facebook when I'm advertising some certain things because it comes under my own Małgorzata Banjo. And some people are going to be, you stole it from Paula Quilting. I was like, no, it's me. (laughs) But it's just stuck. It came from there and I'm going to keep it. I like it. So it's going to stay that way. (laughs) And I want to point out that it's P-O-L-A. That's the one, yeah. When did you start doing YouTube videos? So I started teaching on YouTube during COVID, people discovering themselves during COVID. I discovered myself as a teacher because I sold for many years beforehand. I thought, well, I will show people what I do. Then I was just trying to point that it's about the journey, not the destination necessarily. It's just do what you like, how you like and when you like it whatever makes you happy. And at this point of time, over 5,000 subscribers and seems people enjoying what they see. So I will be keep doing it. Since I'm sewing anyway, I might as well show it to the rest of the world. Nice. You're very much into recycling. Can you share about that? So it's about recycling, being mindful how we affecting the world around us, but also about economy and where the patchwork came from. I cannot afford and go and buy hundred pounds of fabric just for pleasure. I've got family and children. So basically I raided our own cupboards first and went through my clothes, my children's clothes. And then also my husband's clothes. He doesn't even know sometimes when he's missing something, why something is missing. On occasion, I'm not saying I'm doing it a lot. And I just used what I had. This is also a good approach for people who are scared to start. Well, if you take an old shed, even if you're buying in secondhand shop for, you know, a pound or two, if you cut it and you don't put it back together the way you thought you can put it together, what will happen? You just spend some time and two pounds. That's not going to break the bank. And there's so many lovely fabrics there already that there is no need to go for new ones. So again, I'm just looking around me, what is there? People are giving me their old clothes and I don't mind because I just make it into something new. One of your videos that I watched, I can't remember if it was one you just put out or one that you had out a while ago, but you found two fabrics at a thrift store that were hanging beside each other and they were beautiful. One was a bedding, gray bedding, and one was a kind of purple-ish curtain and they were hanging next to each other and they just looked perfect. So all in all, when I bought it, it cost me five pounds and that's a lot of fabric for five pounds, first of all. And two, sometimes that, you know, inspiration strikes you and you just have to have it. (laughs) (laughs) They are beautiful. So you have some things for sale on your website. Do you remember when the first person bought something from you and how you felt, how excited you were? I was very excited and it wasn't a big sale. I only sold lanyards, which cost a few pounds. But I think for anyone who does something with their hands and they're trying to sell it, any sale is great sale. 
I was like, oh my God, I've got something to send. It was brilliant. It was brilliant, honestly. It is exciting. You mentioned that you have the pattern for the jacket. Do you have other patterns or just the pattern for the jacket? The jacket I've made, I actually used a shirt as a pattern. So I took old shirt, cut it up. It was men's shirt, so it was quite roomy. And I just made from that, I made a jacket. For my coat, I actually used a pattern. I bought pattern from another designer to make it. But most of the times I just mock up something from something I've got already. (laughs) But the jackets I will be selling, it's not going to be pattern. It's going to be actual jacket that you made to wear. Okay. I do have a patterns, but my patterns are actually free. I don't have any patterns on my website, which are charged for, unless they are from my friend who's a pattern designer. So they are paid for. My patterns are at the moment free and anyone can download it and just use them. So I think the first salt is going to be the one in the book, which I'm preparing. Mm-hmm. Even with the patterns that you have for free, do you recall seeing something made from one of your patterns made by someone else? And how exciting was that? I've got my Facebook group page and people put what they've done from my YouTube tutorials mainly. And that's always awesome to see because they look so different every time. But the pattern I did actually during the COVID, I do belong to the quilting group here in Southampton. During the COVID, we try to kind of still keep us somewhat together. We have got my monthly newsletter. So I've designed a scrappy quilt and every month we've sent one block. And then when we met after almost two years again, people came with those quilts. And again, it was so awesome because everyone interpreted differently, different color choices. Some of them went with one shade of color. Some were all together scrappy like mine. So you, I probably have seen 15 different versions of that one design. And it was absolutely blast. And people were like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, this, oh, that. It was really great to see those. Have fun. It always makes me happy. It always makes me happy to see when people kind of use something I, I've designed. Yes. That sounds like so much fun. Was there anything else that you wanted to share about your business? Sure. It's still at the early stage, really, because we have just bought the house end of December and we're renovating it at the moment. So all my strength and time is going into DIYing at the moment. So I have not had that much time to actually make things for the shop. But like I said, because my main focus is going to be clothes, quilted clothes, that I'm not that worried. But if you subscribe to our website and you're always notified when something new comes up. So if you like to do that, please I encourage you, a listener, <laughs> to do that. Yeah, so next thing definitely is going to be embroidery uh, patterns for those who like embroidery. I would like to try embroidery. Again, it's going to be easy stuff and very scrappy. And again, journey, not the destination. And then we see. So I think more things around the business will probably start from holiday when we move finally. And I will have more time to actually spend on the things I really like doing. Putting IKEA kitchen together from flat packs is not fun, (laughs) but it has to be done. (laughs) Wow. 
So will you have a sewing studio in your new home? At the moment, I'm moving into the living room because there is no spare room, but there's another like a family room. So there's still a place where everyone else can sit when I'm sewing. But we are planning a small extension to the house and one of the rooms there is going to be dedicated for my sewing, which is great because now I'll be able to design it the way I want it, you know, with all the plugs everywhere and hooks for the lights where I want them. Sometimes it's difficult to fit things like that. But when you're designing something from scratch, makes more sense. I look forward to that part. That sounds like a lot of fun and it's an exciting time in your life. Definitely. I think you shared already where we can find your business on your website and Instagram and Facebook. And all of those links will be on your episode page on my website, aquilterslife.com. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh Uh-huh. Meg, it was so great to have you on A Quilter's Life. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much again for having me. It's really great opportunity for me, and I'm really grateful that you you kind of agreed to have me. So thank you very much again uh, for this interview. Oh, you're so welcome. I can't tell you how much I really, really appreciate you spending your time with me. I love hearing these stories, and it's great meeting people from all around the world. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.